0: That's exactly what happened with uh, with the decision. The the uh, w- when it came to the uh, the the decision with um, Mr. Uh, I drew a blank there, Sean. I apologize. <laughs> I got a huge echo in my ear. And I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't even hear. Sorry about that. Mm. Go ahead, pick up. But but yeah, that's exactly what what happened. They uh, they prebunked this story, and Facebook specifically asked the FBI is the Hunter Biden story, Russian misinformation. Oh, wow. It is just so sad to watch Jim Jordan's obvious cognitive decline, isn't
1: it? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight.
0: Facebook?
1: I got a feeling that something right. sad. Man. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. <laughs> and I'm wondering how I'll get oh. down the stairs. Clowns didn't let me die jokers
2: to the right here i am stuck in the middle
0: with you i am from pacifica radio in los angeles this is the broadcast as heard on kpfk 90.7 fm in la also in california in red bluff and redding on kfoi and round mountains kkrn up in oregon on the central coast on kyaq cottage groves queso eugene's kepw In Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950K, TNF. We also stream coast-to-coast coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Verdon Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. And I don't know for sure, but Desi Doyen, uh, well, by this time next week, you and I may be the only people working in Hollywood still (laughs) at this point. Now uh, though we are hi, hi. Uh we are we are both union members.
3: Sagafra.
0: So and uh, we we don't but we don't have anyone to strike against. <laughs> this this show is funded only by listeners who support our work with donations at bradblog.com. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh though uh you know donations been kind of slow of late and well maybe we could consider well, anyway, don't give me any ideas. <laughs> for now, no striking here at the broadcast. That said, leaders of Hollywood's Actors Union voted on Thursday to join screenwriters in the first joint strike in more than six decades, shutting down production across the entertainment industry out here after talks for a new contract with studios and notably streaming services broke down. Quote, a strike is an instrument of last resort, said Duncan Crabtree Ireland. He's the executive director of SAG AFTRA, the Screen Actors Guild, and American Federation of Television and Radio Artists Union. SAG and AFTRA joined together some years ago to become one big, theoretically powerful union was uh, Crabtree, Ireland, speaking about the work stoppage just hours after their contract had expired and talks broke off with the AMPTP, that's the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Uh, They represent employers including Disney, Netflix, Amazon, many others. Union leaders said at a news conference that they voted unanimously for a strike to begin at midnight. Outside of Netflix's Hollywood offices, picketing screenwriters from the Writers Guild of America, already on strike for several months now, chanted, "Pay your actors immediately." After the strike was announced, like the already striking writers, actors say they have been shortchanged by streaming, uh, the streaming revolution. They're seeking to boost residual payments that they get when shows are distributed on Netflix and other platforms. It's the first strike for actors from film and TV since 1980. And it's the first time two major Hollywood unions have been on strike together at the same time since 1960, back when Ronald Reagan was the (laughs) president of the actors guild you know before republicans completely decided that they hated labor and unions the uh, stakes in the negotiations included both base and residual pay which actors say have been undercut by inflation and the streaming ecosystem services also the threat of unregulated use of artificial intelligence Quote, at a moment when streaming and AI and digital was so prevalent, it has disemboweled the industry that we once knew, said SAG-AFTRA president Fran Drescher. She said, when I did The Nanny, everybody was part of the gravy train. Now it's a vacuum. SAG-AFTRA represents more than 160,000 screen actors, broadcast journalists, announcers, hosts. And stunt performers. And as noted by way of full disclosure, disclosure, both Desi and I are members of the union, though this strike represents only the contracts for the union's 65,000 actors from television and. Film productions
3: Right, it's a different contract So there's several kinds of contracts mm-hmm. That SAG and AFTRA take care of One of them is the commercials contract mm-hmm. And this one, as you say, is the TV and film one
0: Actors in those w- with those commercial contracts And actors, for example, on Broadway They're not affected by this strike right. They have said they stand in solidarity However, uh, as have the 11,500 members Of the Writers Guild of America Which has been on strike since their own talks collapsed and their contract expired back at the beginning of May. That stoppage has showed uh, no signs of a solution, with no negotiations even planned. The uh, WGA was reacting yesterday, however, to news from the uh, producers uh, that they were basically hoping to simply starve out the writers. As Adam Conover, a uh, stand-up comic, writer, host of TV's Adam ruins everything, and a WGA Union strike captain responded on Wednesday while he was walking the WGA picket line.
1: So yesterday, some studio executives told the press that they were planning on waiting out the Writers Guild until October, when writers will lose our apartments and homes and become homeless, and then be forced to come back to the table and take a bad deal. Now, first of all, I cannot believe that they said this. They took the mask off, they told on themselves, bigger than anyone I have ever seen, but also they are dead f***ing wrong because writers are in this for the long haul. We have a strike fund that we use to support other writers who are on hard times. We are raising money for crew members and other people affected by the strike. And most importantly, we know that if we do not get a fair deal, we will not have jobs to go back to. So we are not going to leave this picket line. We are going to keep withholding our labor until the companies come back to the table and make a fair deal. And they're going to do that. You know why? Because they need us. Every dollar they make begins with us. So they are not starving us out. We are starving starving them out. And until they come back to the table, there will be no writing.
0: So that's what's going on out here in Hollywood, and yeah. uh, with with both the unions, the actors' unions and the writers' union on strike.
3: Yeah, and it's really it, it it's hard to underscore just how egregious the studios' offers are. For one example, um, you know, the uh, D- Crabtree, what's his name? Crabtree
0: Crab, Ireland. Crabtree yeah.
3: Ireland, the chief negotiator for SAG, after he said, "So here's one of the groundbreaking proposals that the studio gave us on artificial intelligence. Yeah. They proposed that." That our background performers should be able to be scanned, get one day's pay, and the studio would own that scan, their image, their likeness, and should be able to use it for the rest of eternity on any project they want, on any platform, anywhere, with no consent and no compensation.
0: Yeah, uh, it's, it's amazing what they're trying to get yeah. away with here. Uh, Sarah Silverman insane. is actually suing ChatGPT for uh, sucking up her performances. Her work, her voice, right. and using it anyway, and that company wants it. to exactly forever. So uh, that's what's going on out here in Hollywood. Of course, we stand with the unions here on the broadcast. Aside from that, we've got a, a sort of a grab bag of stuff for you today. As we continue to try to catch up on some noteworthy items that we missed while we were out last week, uh, even while attempting to try to keep up with the regular daily fire hose of news that continues to. Explode each day these days Uh, And and just one of those most notable places Where that is happening right now, of course Is in our ever-worsening climate crisis Sponsored by the fossil fuel industry Who it would definitely be nice to hold a strike against If we could figure out how From one of uh, my new favorite websites last night, as I was digging around for news about the catastrophic flooding this week in Vermont, which saw its worst flooding in uh, like a 100 years, blowing away more recent records, for example, uh, the 2011's Hurricane Irene, yes, thanks to climate change, Caused by the burning of fossil fuel and the subsequent global heating that is warming the atmosphere, allowing it to store more moisture, regular old storms these days are even outpacing some hurricanes of days past when it comes to the amount of moisture in the system and rainfall. Anyway, from one of my new favorite websites, foxweather.com, Yes, it's one of my favorites, though that word is in air quotes. It should become clear momentarily. From the front page of the Fox News, also in air quotes, run website, there were these top five headlines last night. Quote, recovery operations begin in Vermont after catastrophic flooding leads to widespread destruction. Next headline, quote, dangerous 110 plus degree heat in Arizona likely to persist for weeks. Next headline, quote, another storm in a strange place is trying to develop in the Atlantic. Next story, New York flood victim says water rose so fast that he, quote, didn't have time to think. And finally, the uh, fifth story, fifth headline last night on uh, Foxweather.com, quote, heavy rains sweep two workers into Omaha, Nebraska storm drain. Well, all of that, just the top five stories uh, last night, sounds pretty bad. That's because it is bad, of course. And those stories are just the tip of the ever melting iceberg at this point. But if you're a Fox News, Fox weather fan, you would have no idea. You would have no clue why any of this stuff, all of these horrific headlines are happening. Just bad luck, I guess. Because while all of those stories detail horrific consequences of our ever worsening climate crisis, not one of them mention anything about it. There is no explanation of why all of that is now happening and all at once. And none of those stories even mention climate change in any way, much less what's causing it, how the burning of fossil fuels is behind it. Fox News, keeping America dumb so you don't have to or something. <laughs> of course, this is uh one of the reasons why we try to explain stories to you, not just let you know that they happened, but explain them to you so you understand them and can in turn help explain them to other people. We can't do what we do alone, uh, we really need you, not, not only to support our work with a donation, of course that helps, thank you, but as importantly, so that you can join our army of explainers out there who can help others, help your friends, your family, your coworkers, to understand not just what's really happening, but why it is happening, who is to blame for it, and what, if anything, can be done about it. As Desi uh, notes on today's uh, Green News report a little bit later in this show, one of the most important things that you and I can do when it comes to climate change is to talk about it, to talk about it with other people, Uh, you know, as, as way more people, it turns out, actually agree with taking transformative action to combat climate change than those who oppose those actions, but you, boy, you wouldn't know it from following the corporate mainstream news media out there every day. So thank you for tuning into the broadcast.
3: Yes, indeed. And remember, you know, two-thirds of Americans actually support climate action, but they think it's the opposite. They think only one-third do not two-thirds are against it, and it's wrong. And
0: they're afraid to talk about it with their friends. Yes, because the media
3: doesn't talk about it, so they don't talk about it. But the more we talk about it, the more you talk about it, the more everybody talks about it, the more people actually understand what is happening and then can take the next step, which is action.
0: As noted, we've got a grab bag of of stuff for you today. Some you may have heard about, others uh, you probably haven't. All of which are, I think, helpful to fully understand, including their context. This one uh, seems important today. The Food and Drug Administration on Thursday approved the first ever over-the-counter birth control pill in the U.S. That's a huge advancement in contraceptive accessibility and health care amid an ever more restrictive abortion landscape thanks to right-wingers who pretend to support freedom and that they hate big government, even while they work very hard to use big government to take away freedoms from Americans. Quote, approval of this oral contraceptive pill provides an option for consumers to purchase oral contraceptive medicine without a prescription at drugstores, convenience stores, and grocery stores, as well as online, the Biden FDA said in a statement on Thursday. It also pointed out that quote, almost half of the 6.1 million pregnancies in the U.S. each year are unintended. A statistic, the approval of the -the over-the-counter O-Pill product may help to improve. With many women living in states now where abortion is all but inaccessible, the importance of the availability of contraception to prevent unintended pregnancies, well, of course, that now skyrockets. Therefore, I assume that right-wingers who oppose abortion are going to be thrilled about this news today, right? After all, imagine how many abortions this will now help to prevent. So they got to be delighted. Why would they oppose it? Well, I suspect we will be finding out soon enough, (laughs) uh, which will, of course, help give away the game that they're not actually about preventing abortion at all. They are about controlling women's lives. Is that fair to say?
3: Oh, yes. You are free in uh, Republican land. Uh, you are free to do as Republicans order you to do.
0: <laughs> that's, that's your freedom. Yeah. Uh, FDA hearings were held earlier this spring on final approval for the over-the-counter O-Pill. Uh, those hearings were replete with concerns and questions about climbing rates of maternal mortality and the adverse outcomes associated with unintended pregnancy. But the abortion landscape critical background to any conversation writes Kate Riga at TPM any conversation about accessibility of contraception was all but absent I have a sneaking suspicion however it won't stay absent from this conversation uh, for long but we will see of course right wingers these days it seems are never actually fighting for what they are pretending to be fighting for keep that in mind We'll get to some fallout, for example, from the uh, GOP uh, mega donor sponsored U.S. Supreme Court in a moment. But here is a story about some of those mega donors, Liz and Dick Eulene. Have you heard about them? I don't know if you have. They're one of the uh, among the top right wing donors. Uh, Their name is not used much. You don't hear them uh, repeated their names repeated over and over again the way you hear, you know, Republicans talking about George Soros. Uh, but they you know, they just want to make the world a better place for all of us. That's why they spent some two hundred and thirty million dollars reportedly over the past decade on candidates for federal office, Republican candidates for federal office, because, you know, they are very, very interested in in public policy. They just want to help make the world a better place for, you know, the community. Well, Politico has a story today under a picture of Liz Uline attending a state dinner at the White House during the Trump administration. But again, I know that she and Dick are just interested in what is best for all of us, not in you know, getting those invitations to those fancy dinners at the White House. Here's what Politico reports. The Uleens, who have backed right-wing political candidates across the country, asked the quaint little village of Lake Bluff, Illinois, a town of about 5,500 people where the Uleens live on a huge estate, they have asked the town to exempt them from a new regulation that bans smelly, noisy, climate-killing gas-powered leaf blowers from May 15 to September 30. That's the regulation. As the regulation currently stands, only public properties such as golf courses and village athletic fields and schools are allowed an exemption. And that's just for two years to allow the public entities to get clean, efficient, battery-powered equipment on hand but the Uleans would also like an exemption. In a June 2 letter to the village administrator, Liz and Dick wrote, quote, Given the size of our 22-acre property in Lake Bluff, we would like to request a similar two-year exemption in order to work with our landscaping contractors to adapt to the new regulations. They noted that they've, quote, already come to learn that battery-powered blowers simply cannot get the job done as well. <laughs> As gas blowers, and are basically just as noisy as the gas powered ones, the village president referred the Eulen's request to the village's sustainability and community enhancement committee, which discussed the issue, but rejected the request. Good for them. Village trustees unanimously agreed and officially snuffed the request at a June a late June board meeting, according to the pioneer press, which first wrote about this issue. Trustee Maria Marietta Hance said in the Pioneer Press, quote, there are tools that can be used. This is a private family asking the community to make an exemption for them. It does not fit with what we have decided.
3: We should say a private billionaire family.
0: Yes, ma'am. The Uleans who didn't return request for comment are among the largest don't Republican donors in the country And as Politico recently wrote, they have been criticized, quote, for squandering millions of dollars on failed long shot candidates, including several in 2022. Like the Illinois gubernatorial candidate Darren Bailey, Arkansas Senate hopeful Jake Beckett, the couple's combined political giving to federal candidates and causes because, you know, they only care about public policy. Over the last decade exceeds two hundred and thirty million dollars. So they've got two hundred and thirty million dollars to blow on trying to get candidates who will be friendly to them in office. But they don't have enough money to buy their gardeners, battery powered leaf blowers, which, by the way, work great and they don't stink. And no, they aren't just as noisy as the gas powered ones. How do I know this? Well, because while we live in an apartment building, uh, so we have no say or control over who maintains the grounds here, we have one single gardener who comes by about once a week to blow the leaves. And even he has now purchased an electric blower, which is way less noisy. And it does a tremendous job of blowing. When he first got it, I was so happy, happy for him, frankly, But also for us, because, you know, if if we ever forget to close our windows when the guy shows up, our apartment will stink like gas, gas fumes for, yeah, for hours afterwards. Not to mention how incredibly noisy and obnoxious these uh, gas blowers are. When I congratulated this uh, guy on on getting the new electric blower, uh, since it was much better for him as well, health wise, he he said he was very happy about it. But he did complain that it costs a lot of money for him. Which brings me back to Liz and Dick and their twenty-two acre property, uh, and their two hundred and thirty million dollars spent on legalized bribes to Republican candidates for office. And you're telling me that they cannot afford to buy their own gardeners' electric blowers to use on their own property? I mean, for that matter, couldn't they buy every single gardener in in the town of Lake Bluff? Uh, There's only 5,000 people there, not a big town. Couldn't they buy every gardener in town an electric blower and a whole bunch of extra batteries to use with them to boot? Of course they could. I suspect they could use, you know, just a fraction of the tax cuts that they enjoyed under the last Republican president and Congress that they helped into office with their legalized bribery. They could use just some of that money. But, of course, the millions that they hand out is not about making the world a better place. It's about giving them, giving Liz and Dick still more money and more personal power and invitations to state dinners at the White House. It is not about making uh, even their own little world that they live in in Lake Bluff, Illinois, a better place to live for a few thousand neighbors that they have. Uh, you know, at least once they drive off of their 22 acre estate. GTF out of here, Liz and Dick. <sighs> Quick break. The broadcast continues <laughs> with some, I think, good news. Uh, good news fallout, if you will, from a number of bad recent Supreme Court rulings. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to the broadcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is supporting you and the things that you care about. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. Right now, as much as ever. If you choose to support us, you can do it really easily, safely, and quickly via bradblog.com slash donate. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Here I am, and in the city with a fistful of dollars, and baby, you better believe I'm back. Back in New York. Yep, welcome back to the broadcast Brad Friedman from brandblog.com getting into the New York groove here in a moment and boy I uh, hope you guys are okay out there and and beginning to dry out I know that you got just absolutely hammered particularly up in the Hudson Valley Uh, region this week.
3: That's putting it mildly. Uh, Yeah.
0: And there's more rain on the way, I'm told, up there. So uh, our best to y'all out there. Uh, In any event, we'll get to a New York story here uh, in a moment. We spoke at uh, some length with the uh, great court journalist Mark Joseph Stern of Slate.com on yesterday's broadcast about a number of rulings made by our corrupted and packed and stolen right wing Supreme Court majority at the end of the term last month and how Chief Justice John Roberts has figured out to the ga- how to game the court's docket to accept enough cases that will freak out the left only to then ultimately find with the left on enough of those cases that the corporate media is able to sort of use that to pretend that, oh, those cases balance out the terrible precedent-shattering cases that forward long-sought activist right-wing ideological agenda items and then point to John Roberts as, oh, look, he's moderating. Uh, he's a moderating influence on the court, isn't he? It's quite a scam. It's an impressive one. If you missed my conversation with Mark yesterday about that, of course, it's available for free at bradblog.com. Uh, but in the wake of those bad rulings, the bad ones from the Supreme Court this year, the good ones didn't do nothing pretty much, but other, but then, you know, but just keep the status quo in place.
3: Yeah, just kept the law as it is.
0: But then there are these bad rulings that just overturn decades of precedent. Uh, so in the wake of those and a few others from last year's term, I've got a, a number of somewhat encouraging News stories today, I think, about what is being done in response to some of those terrible rulings from this court, at least to some extent. You may recall last year the U.S. Supreme Court basically let states and lower federal courts know that federal courts would no longer have be allowed to have any say when it came to partisan gerrymandering for federal offices. Uh, At the state level, they'd they'd still be allowed to ring in federal courts would on racial gerrymanders under the Voting Rights Act. But states were pretty much on their own when it came to how they chose to deal with partisan gerrymanders. That was just fine, according to the Supreme Court's and and you know that would just be left to the state courts to adjudicate well that led led to a bunch of partisan gerrymanders sure enough in a whole bunch of mostly GOP controlled states last year and arguably it helped republicans to win back a razor thin majority in the US house by about 5 seats one of the reasons for that was also because New York state courts actually prevented what appeared to be an attempted partisan gerrymander by Democrats who control that state legislature, resulting in about four seats in New York flipping from Democrats to Republican, just just in New York alone. Which brings us to a new ruling in the Empire State this week. A New York appeals court on Thursday ordered the state's congressional maps to be redrawn, siding with Democrats in a case that could give give the party a fresh chance to tilt one of the nation's most contested House battlegrounds back to the left. Wading into a long-simmering legal dispute, the Appellate Division of the State Supreme Court in Albany said that the competitive court-drawn districts that were put in place last year for the midterms had only been a temporary fix. They ordered the state's bipartisan redistricting commission to promptly restart the process that would effectively end up giving the Democratic-dominated state legislature the final say over the contours of New York's 26 House seats for the remainder of the decade. Republicans vowed to appeal this decision, leaving a, a final decision to the state's highest court, that's the Court of Appeals, just a year after that same court stopped an earlier attempt by Democrats to gerrymander the maps before last year's midterm elections. The current district lines were drawn by a neutral court-appointed expert last spring to maximize competition, in theory. The new maps uh, serve that purpose by helping Republicans flip four seats in their uh, takeover by uh, of a five-vote majority in the U.S. House, so if Thursday's ruling stands, both parties think that Democrats could conceivably draw maps that pass legal muster while making uh, re-election almost impossible for several incumbent Republicans in the state, including, by the way, George Santos on Long Island and in Queens. Yes. He uh, is arguably only in the House thanks to this apparently temporary ruling last year by the high court in New York. The legal fight over the state's lines traced back to 2014 in truth when voters, voters, remember them, adopted a constitutional amendment that outlawed gerrymandering and created new bipartisan redistricting commission to minimize partisan map making, the first time, however, that the commission set out to draw new district lines was last year, after the 2020 census, and the, the 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 commission immediately deadlocked between the equal numbers of Republicans and Democrats on it. They failed to even meet to complete the work. They They didn't, they didn't even meet. Democratic leaders in the legislatures then commandeered the process. They adopted lines that gave Democrats a clear advantage. Republicans sued, and the Court of Appeals ruled that Democrats had not only gerrymandered the maps impermissibly, but also violated the redistricting uh, process. It stripped the legislature of its map-making authority, uh, vesting it instead in a supposedly neutral expert, Democrats then filed a new lawsuit last year, arguing that the maps that were drawn were meant to be temporary, asking the court to then force the bipartisan commission to complete its work, actually to start its work, I guess. Though the commission would have the first shot at drawing these new maps under Thursday's ruling, both parties expect the panel to deadlock yet again, which would then send the final map making authority back to the legislature only this time now with the blessing of the courts. Now, of course, uh, Republicans are trying to block that possibility from happening. Party leaders vowed to appeal Thursday's ruling. They call for the Court of Appeals, that's the state's top court on this matter, to overturn it. Representative Hakeem Jeffries of New York, however, the top U.S. House Democrat, Lauded the ruling, said that the current map was undemocratic. He said its lines were, quote, drawn by an unelected out of town special master appointed by an extreme right wing judge who himself was handpicked by. Partisan political operatives. The Court of Appeals is now likely to once again have the final say in this case. That seven judge panel was skeptical of Democrats a year ago. They could view the current lawsuit as an attack on their earlier ruling, but Thursday's ruling shifts the burden to Republicans now to argue why the top court should reverse the new status quo. And notably, the bench has also itself moved decidedly leftward since the decision last year. It's now led by a liberal chief judge who actually dissented from that 2022 decision. Mm. So we shall see. Uh, But that news is promising in any event for Democrats, if perhaps Less so for those who would uh, like to see all congressional districts across the country divvied up in a nonpartisan manner, though it doesn't look like we're going to get there anytime soon. And in the meantime, Republicans have been gerrymandering like crazy anywhere they can pull it off. In other news uh, related, again, to the U.S. Supreme Court's decisions, this is a good one. The University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill on Friday announced that it would offer free tuition to some in-state students as part of their continued effort to boost diversity after the U.S. Supreme Court last month struck down the use of affirmative action in college admissions, specifically overturning such programs at both Harvard and the University of North Carolina in two separate cases. I like it. UNC Chancellor Kevin Guskowitz in a statement, said that beginning with the incoming class in the fall of 2024, undergraduates from North Carolina whose family incomes are below 80000 will receive free tuition. Nice. Excellent. Not what you were hoping for, right-wingers? Uh, quote, We will expand the university's longstanding commitment to access and affordability for North, Carol- uh, North Carolina families, he said. We want to make sure that students know financial constraints should not stand in the way of their dreams. He also said that UNC has hired new outreach officers to tout the tuition policy change and recruit students to attend the flagship institution. Guskiewicz said, quote, We want the best students to know that a UNC Chapel Hill education is a possibility for them. Our university's commitment to access and affordability and supporting a culture of belonging for everyone Does not change with last week's ruling, he said. There are roughly uh, 20,000 undergraduates currently enrolled at UNC, so uh, this could be a lot of people now enjoying free tuition. Thanks to the U.S. Supreme Court, I guess.
3: (laughs) Well, that is a very positive way of looking at that ruling.
0: Their uh, 6-3 decision last month, uh, the court's right-wing Republican bloc aligned against the continuation of affirmative action, arguing that the uh, admission practices of UNC and Harvard violated the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. Republicans praised the decision's. But uh, progressives railed against the rulings, pointing to the proliferation of legacy admissions at many elite universities where applicants of alumni are given a boost in the admissions process. That was not ruled to be unconstitutional for some reason by our corrupted right wing U.S. Supreme Court. In other uh sort of post scotus news today, it's very interesting to see the reaction uh to these terrible rulings and how they uh seem to bounce back against the people who uh brought them in the first place uh in this case, this has to do with the uh, student loan payments that were uh or forgiveness for those payments that was blocked by the court the Biden administration. Calls it a "quote student loan safety net." Opponents, according to AP, call it a backdoor attempt to make college free. <laughs> well, we we hate that. We would we hate can't that. Have that. Yeah, that would be terrible. That would be horrible, horrible. tyranny. I call it a swell idea and one that I want to make sure you actually know about, since. You know what? Democrats are just not good at this sort of thing, at letting you know about important things that they are doing to help a ton of Americans. That's just not what they do. Apparently, they are not good at it. They help a ton of Americans, but they're not good at letting people know that they are doing so, which means a lot of people that might be helped. Never find out about the help that may be available to them. So starting this summer, millions of Americans with student loans will, yes, have to start payments again after several years of a pause because of the COVID pandemic. But now they will be able to enroll in a new repayment plan that actually offers some of the most lenient terms ever Interest will not pile up as long as borrowers make regular payments, and millions of people will have monthly payments reduced to zero dollars. And in as little as 10 years, any remaining debt will be canceled entirely. It's known as the save plan. And although it was announced actually last year, It's mostly been overshadowed by President Biden's proposal for mass student loan cancellation of up to $20,000 per borrower for those making less than $125,000 a year. But since the Supreme Court cited a completely made up out of whole cloth doctrine that they are calling the major questions doctrine, even though federal law very clearly says that Joe Biden could do what he tried to do. Despite that, the right wingers on the court decided that's just it's just so much money that would go back to these people who need it. And therefore, that makes it a major question (laughs) that first must be addressed specifically by Congress for some reason, even though existing federal law already says this is the HEROES Act already gives the executive branch the authority to waive any and all student loans. Well, anyway, since the uh, ruling, Biden has proposed an alternate approach to uh, forgiving those student loans, but that is using a different law in order to cancel the debt for potentially even more people. Uh, you know, even if it'll, it's going to take a bit longer to put in place, it's got to go through a longer rules making process. But in the meantime, this new separate repayment option. It's a lesser known initiative that is now taking center stage and it's being described by the administration as, quote, the most affordable repayment plan ever. The typical borrower who enrolls in the plan will save, get this, a thousand dollars a month, Mm. according to Biden. Republicans have fought against the plan because, of course, they have because they oppose, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars in savings for people who actually need it that will actually improve the economy for everyone, even while they have absolutely no problem giving much, much more free money in tax refunds to millionaires and billionaires and corporations who do not need it, and which does not help the economy for everyone. The Republicans, they claim that this plan oversteps the president's authority. Senator Bill Cassidy the ranking Republican uh, from Louisiana, I believe, I think, uh, on the Health, Education, Labor and Pensions Committee. Uh, He called this new new plan, quote, deeply unfair. (laughs) It is deeply unfair, he said, to the 87 percent of Americans who don't have student loans. Although, uh, you know, were were Cassidy's tax cuts that he supported deeply unfair to the ninety nine point nine percent of Americans who did not get millions of dollars back from the federal government? Was was that deeply unfair? I don't remember him him, uh, uh, claiming as much for some reason. The Congressional Budget Office previously estimated over the next decade that this plan would cost around $230 billion. Estimates from researchers at the University of Pennsylvania put the cost up at $361 billion now that uh, it is, this program is being adjusted uh, and the forgiveness plan has been struck down. For the record, the Trump tax cuts cost conservatively $2.5 billion. Trillion dollars over the decade since passage. Just, you know, so we get an idea of this is not a, you know, apples to apples uh, situation here. So naturally, because it helps Americans who actually need it, Republicans uh, will almost certainly be trying to find some way uh, and find some plaintiff to come in to block the new plan. This new repayment plan But in the meantime Here's how it works Because like I said Democrats are really bad At letting folks know About this kind of stuff So maybe you can help Someone learn about this Who needs to know You know We saw how bad the Democrats were at explaining The many benefits of Obamacare For example Even now There are many folks Who would benefit From Obamacare But who aren't signed up Because Democrats Are just so bad At getting the word out About it But I can tell you you know, as I've had some medical issues I've had to deal with of late, uh, had it not been for Obamacare, I would have likely been in big, big trouble. So helping folks understand this kind of stuff, even if you are not directly affected by it, is very important. Here's how it works. The U.S. Education Department offers several plans for replaying, uh, repaying student federal student loans. Uh, under the standard plan, borrowers are charged to fix monthly amount, to uh, pay everything off in 10 years. But if borrowers have difficulty paying that amount, as many do, there are several plans that will lower monthly payments based on your income and your family size. Those are known as income-driven repayment plans. Those uh, options have been offered for years and generally cap monthly payments at 10% of a borrower's discretionary income. But if a borrower's earnings are low enough, their bill is reduced to $0, and after 20 or 25 years, any remaining debt gets erased. Well, Biden's new version of that same plan, essentially, uh, will create a a new repayment plan, calling it the save plan, that lowers payments even further to generally replace The existing plans, borrowers will be able to apply later this summer. Some of the changes will be phased in over time. But right away, more people will be eligible for zero dollar monthly payments. The new plan will not require borrowers to make any payments if they earn less than uh, 225 percent of the federal poverty line. That's almost thirty three thousand dollars a year for a single person. So if you earn less than that each year. Your payments will be zero. The cutoff for the current plans, by contrast, is $22,000 a year for a single person. As long as borrowers make their monthly payments, their overall balance will not increase. Once they cover their adjusted monthly payment, even if it's zero dollars, any remaining interest will be waived. Then there's additional changes that will take effect next July. Most notably, payments on undergraduate loans will be capped at 5% 5% of discretionary income, that's down from 10%. So for millions of Americans, monthly payments could be reduced by half. There are more such benefits, that give, but that gives you an idea. It will allow loans to be canceled entirely after 10 years of payments, even if those payments are $0 a month. The Education Department says it will notify borrowers when the new application process launches next month. Those enrolled in an existing plan, will uh, the existing uh, uh, income plan will automatically be moved into this new plan and will also be able to contact their loan servicers directly. It will be available to all borrowers in the direct loan program. Supporters say the plan will simplify repayment options, offer relief to millions of borrowers, and... It is separate from Biden's new loan forgiveness plan that he's now had to restructure thanks to the Republicans on the Supreme Court who made up a pretend reason to kill it. More than 60 Republican lawmakers have urged the education secretary, Miguel Cardona, to withdraw this new payment repayment plan (laughs) because that's how Republicans roll. Yep. Uh, In February, they called it feckless fiscally irresponsible and blatantly illegal. Meanwhile, supporters argue that the Obama administration uh, used similar authority to create a repayment plan that was more generous than others at the time. It was not challenged by Republicans back then, but now I guess it's the cool thing to do. The Biden administration formally finalized the rule this month, so if you know anybody who's paying off student loans... Make sure that they know about what Joe Biden and the Democrats are doing for them, even as Republicans are working very, very hard to stop them. All right. More for you to understand and share, hopefully, coming up after a break with the Green News Report. That is straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. I told you, told you we had a grab bag today. Yes, a grab bag
3: O-news. A grab
0: bag O-news, although you, frankly, in your Green News Report, you've always got a grab bag of stuff to pull together. (laughs) Nothing but. As you do, once again, in today's Green News Report.
2: We'd like to be able to pay a premium, but we've got no place to go to get insurance.
3: Another major insurer exits Florida, citing high cost of extreme weather disasters. Americans underestimate the popularity of climate policies... Plus, extreme weather is wreaking havoc on the U.S. power grid, and natural gas is
0: largely to blame. I knew it. All of those extremes and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The headlines are just full of stories about wildfires, smoke, extraordinary temperatures
2: in the southwest and the southeast to some degree. Do you have a climate plan?
0: It's going to be to rip up Joe Biden's Green New Deal. Great plan, Ron DeSantis. No wonder the voters are rejecting you. By the way, can't believe that question came on Fox News. The world's gone crazy. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, just absolutely brutal, punishing flooding up in the Northeast. Waters are finally receding after catastrophic floods in Vermont this week. The worst since 1927, but more rain is on the way for Mm. the Northeast, uh, which is seeing anywhere from 300 to 500 percent of normal for this time of year. So, yeah. Everything's fine. What do you have for us today?
3: Well, extreme heat is again baking the southern half of the nation with 108 million Americans under heat alerts. The World Meteorological Organization this week confirmed preliminary data that the planet saw the hottest week ever recorded over the first week of July. The agency said that record-breaking temperatures on land and in the ocean, quote, highlight the far-reaching changes taking place in Earth's system as a result of human. Human induced climate change and warned that El Nino is expected to further fuel global heating.
0: It is so bad. That even Fox News is asking presidential candidates about it.
3: Yeah. And underscoring that there are no climate science deniers in the insurance industry, yeah. insurance giant Farmers announced it will limit new homeowner insurance policies in California and will exit the state of Florida entirely. Wow. The company said the decision was, quote, necessary to effectively manage risk exposure in the state, citing increasing severe weather disasters, skyrocketing reconstruction costs, and... And litigation abuse. Farmers is the fourth major insurance company to leave the Florida market. Florida premiums have increased on average more than 40 percent over just last year.
0: And yet Ron DeSantis wants to tear up everything that Joe Biden has done I'm sure he'll be turning away all that federal money for climate mitigation that's going down to Florida, right?
3: Meanwhile, the U.S. is now the blackout capital of the world, recording more power outages than any other developed country. Weather-related blackouts have surged nearly 80% in the United States since the early 2000s, and natural gas plants are primarily to blame. A new analysis by Oil Price International finds that natural gas-fired power plants have the worst failure rate during extreme weather events compared to other fuel sources that's because the nation's vast network of gas plants and pipelines aren't designed for extreme weather aren't generally weatherized and many rely on a single pipeline for supply
0: so the natural gas is helping to make the problem worse and then when the problem gets worse it knocks out the natural gas plants
3: clever hey
0: nice job if you can get it
3: But good news. A University of California study found that it is economically feasible for renewable energy to power 90% of a reliable grid by 2035, with natural gas providing just 10% of annual electricity production. It's
0: really a boutique energy.
3: In other news, some of the nation's largest makers of heavy trucks and engines have reached a deal with the state of California to phase out polluting diesel big rigs. The manufacturers agreed to accept California's new emission standards that phase out sales of new diesel powered trucks by 2036. The agreement is aimed in part at thwarting potential litigation and maintaining a single national standard for truck pollution rules, plus, it'll cut pollution and emissions. Finally, a new poll finds that most Americans underestimate the popularity of policies to protect the climate. Yale Climate Communications found that, in reality, two-thirds of Americans support transformative climate action but underestimate just how many of their fellow Americans do. The researchers say that misperception matters because people are less likely to act if they feel alone. According to Axios climate reporter Andrew Friedman on a recent broadcast... The most powerful thing that you can do about climate change is to have a conversation with somebody about it. We need to be talking about it more. All these things actually have an impact.
0: Yes, they do. Talk to everyone you know about it. Drive them crazy just the way we drive you crazy. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet wide on the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. Yes, she drives us all crazy, doesn't she? That's her job. Yep. Anyway, thank you very much, Desi Doyen, to everyone out there uh, across, uh, well, this nation anyway. If you're up in the Northeast, try to stay dry, stay safe. If you're in the South and Southwest, try to stay cool.
3: And if you're in Europe, good Lord, try to stay cool. It's bad, both in Phoenix and Arizona and in Europe especially. Just dangerous heat.
0: It's bad everywhere. Let people know and let them know why. Drive them crazy. We got (laughs) to get out. Thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your hot or wet day with us it is greatly appreciated if you missed any portion of today's program or need to hear it again download it anytime for free at bradblog.com made possible by those of you kind and generous enough to stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us keep going. Uh, uh, let's see, what am I? Drop me an email. That's right. <laughs> I am Bradcast at Bradblog.com, and you'll find me on the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons at the We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.
2: I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1995. That was the day 2,500 pressmen, reporters, drivers, and clerks went out on strike against the Detroit News and the Free Press. Both newspapers had created a virtual monopoly in 1988 by merging their advertising and circulation departments into the Detroit Newspaper Association. Even as the DNA raked in record profits, they forced years of concessions, including wage freezes and layoffs. When the association implemented a merit pay raise system, the Newspaper Guild voted to strike. Five other unions, including CWA and the Teamsters, soon followed. The newspapers, however, were ready. Just before the strike, they cut off the dues checkoff. They also contracted with the company Alternative Workforce to provide scabs. They also hired private security guards from Huffmaster and Vance International to enforce the scab herding. A solid union boycott cut revenues for both newspapers. On August 19th, hundreds of strikers stopped scabbing until police attacked the picket line breaking arms and arresting at least four. Then, on Labor Day weekend, thousands of strikers and supporters successfully repulsed police forces amassed from across the state to break up the picket lines. By mid-September, both newspapers were forced to airlift the Sunday edition until strike-breaking injunctions limited picket lines. Over a hundred had been arrested over the course of several weeks. Unable to stop production, strikers gradually returned to work until the strike was finally called off in February of 1997. In his two-volume set, Workers in America, Robert Weir notes that many labor activists criticized strike tactics. They argued direct action to stop production should have been the priority rather than boycotts and political pressure. Once the strike ended, The DNA claimed all but a few had forfeited their jobs.